and welcome to The Solve Network. My name is Shane Borza, and I'll be your host. Along with my co-founder, Benjamin Goss, we'd like to welcome you. Our mission is to provide solutions and create a network of experts for you to learn from. Now, this show is a little different than most podcasts, as it is actually a live call held twice a month. If you can, please join us on the first and third Thursday of each month so you can get your questions answered live and direct from the experts themselves. If you're an expert, please contact me at shaneborza.com so you can be a part of the network. And now, here's our show. Scene one, Apple, take one. Hi, I'm Shane Borza, your content creator coach. I have two books on filmmaking, Film Notes, where you learn to write, direct, and produce, and the Film Notes Workbook, where you can learn checklists and paperwork to streamline creating your content. Available at shaneborza.com. I also have filmmaker resources like the Paperwork Bundle with over 300 documents, the Sound Effects Bundle with almost 3,000 files, and the Music Bundle featuring 900 tracks of all genres. Want to build your professional credits? Become an associate producer and get listed on IMDb. Let me help you get your art out into the world. Scene one, Apple, take one. Well, that's great. I really like the way that you broke it up and gave us the kind of experiential Mm -hmm. version of the lesson instead of just, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, like a slideshow or, or just talking so we, we could experience it ourselves. And whoever listens to the recording or watches the video back later, I'd really encourage you to give it a try and, and experience it for yourself. I, I'm really big on physicalizing things. And so I'm glad you talked about some of that, like saying things out loud, writing things down. And, you know, the more of your senses, the more of yourself that you can use, the bigger imprint that these things are going to have. So rather than just listen to Kari talk about this stuff, if you actually do it yourself, then it'll be much more impactful. So I, I thought that that was a great addition. So I do have a bunch of questions here and I wanna make sure we get through uh, at least some of them before yeah, we absolutely. wrap up here. So the, the first thing, this goes all the way back to the beginning is why is it referred to as the monkey mind? Why not like the bear or the gecko or, or something else? Especially because of you know evolution, we do have these like lizard brains and some of these other yes. things that are you know mm-hmm. deep in there. That's a really good question. I don't know for certain, but I'm assuming it's written the monkey mind. I think the name actually came from Buddha and Buddhism. They have a lot of monkeys. If you've I haven't been there, but my friends who have traveled there, they can overrun the temples and stuff. So I think, and they are very, can be very demanding. And like I said, they definitely, you know, it's very much this, you know, monkey with the symbols, um, you know, clapping uh, and everything. But that's a good question. I'm going to do a little bit of research if they're exactly why, why did they not say the dolphin mind or the elephant mind or, you know, some other Asian thing and stuff that that's, you know, my thinking of how it evolved and stuff. Um, and it's one of those, like, I'm not exactly sure where it came from, but man, in yoga and meditation, if you've had an experience or tried to meditate <laughs> and it not work and you say it's because of your monkey mind, you know, everyone can so, so relate and stuff. Uh, you know, 
when people, it's so interesting being a yoga and meditation teacher and having so much experience, people usually tell me one of two horror stories. Either they had a bad first experience with yoga, trying to get them. So I tell people, you do not need to be flexible to practice yoga. You do not have to have any expensive equipment. You do not need a hundred dollar pair of yoga pants. Um, so either they've had a bad physical experience and they never practice it again because they can't, you know, get into a crow. And I say, I don't get into a crow and I have a lovely yoga practice. Um, and, or they, had no idea the monkey mind even existed and they had a bad teacher who would say, you know, okay, now lie down in Shavasana, which is the final pose in yoga usually, or in my tradition of uh, yoga and meditation, the reason we do all the postures, uh, the asanas and the breathing, the pranayama for an hour to an hour and a half is to prepare the body and especially the mind for the 20, 30, however long meditation um, at the end and everything, but they haven't been prepared like that. And if you've never, like I said, tuned into all that crap going on, you just run for the hills. You know, people are like, you know, I can't sleep. I can't turn off that my brain. I, I can't stop that tape. And it makes me so sad when people say that because, you know, it doesn't have to be that way, but in our Western world, like I said, you know, we just, we just don't have any, we just don't have a lot of experience or, or training with it, which is part of why I love doing this because I know without the exercise we did at the very beginning to at least recognize and try to turn down our monkey minds, let alone change the station, let alone, you know, I can turn it off now if I want. If I hadn't have had that from the beginning, I don't know if I would have lasted in yoga and meditation either. Yeah, I think those reactions are very universal. I, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people, wh whether they've done yoga, tried yoga, tried meditation, gratitude, whatever, yeah. th those, those two are very, very common. Mm -hmm. So the kind of, uh, I guess, piggyback or follow-up question to that is, what's some advice for people who are either in a busy office or a busy home, especially now with COVID, everyone's home, kids are home, parents are home, the relatives are there, you're there all day, you know, uh, people are getting kind of cabin fever and uh, finding a quiet space or a place where you can have some time uh, alone where you can focus is really hard, uh, if not impossible. So do you have any recommendations about working within those kind of? Yeah, absolutely. I have meditated literally in Grant Central Station in New York City, and it is the craziest place in many ways, and it's the most beautiful architecture. It's almost like a cathedral, like I sat in the middle under the dome, and there's millions of people at any time of day, and I had one of the best meditation experiences. So you, first of all, you don't need peace and quiet to meditate to breathe. And um, uh, my tradition of yoga and meditation doesn't want the room to do the meditating for you. So yes, lighting a candle, having a lovely setting like I have behind me, you know, that's great, but don't be afraid to just stop wherever you are, even on a park bench um, and sit and just observe, 
you know, just do those breathing and stuff. So that would be my first thing is just wherever you are, whatever you're presented with, just stop and breathe or just close your eyes and listen to what's going on. Even if it's craziness, just the fact that you've taken that moment to pause and to just be in the present moment and to really pay attention. Like I said, that's what I loved about the couple of times I would, you know, meditate when I was in, when I lived in New York city at various places, yes, it was lovely on a, a central park, you know, uh, bench. Um, but one of the best meditation sessions I had was at yoga Betsy in the summer, you know, we have all the windows open and inevitably, the garbage truck would come like five minutes into our meditation. And our yoga teacher would say, this is great. Because again, the meditation training is, um, you know, uh, it's not that you're not going to have thoughts. It's that your thoughts are like hotel guests and clouds in the sky. They're going to check in, they're going to check out. And what I really try to encourage, uh, especially in my coaching and when I teach yoga meditation is, to be kind and gentle with yourself, to try to not react to what's happening around you and what's going on inside of you, and to try to just pull back and observe and not be judgmental towards that. So again, if you have a crazy Christmas coming up with you know kids and that kind of stuff, sit in the corner for five minutes. And even if you just, even if you can't close your eyes, even if you just sit and observe, I was a, uh, an exchange student in France in high school, my junior year of high school. And what I still love to this day, it's changed now, but part of what I moved to Tucson with is you can sit, I can sit in an outdoor cafe with a glass of water and I am perfectly content to just watch the people go by for hours that is not meditation, but it is a, there are walking meditations there. Uh, you can do a labyrinth. I mean, there's so many also active um, meditations as well. So if that, you know, sitting peacefully, I can't sit cross-legged lotus style, but you know, the typical yoga pose, I can't do that. I don't do that. You can do an active meditation, a walking meditation. Um, and then the other thing is with, uh, like I said, everything here is uh, kid friendly, is people friendly. I encourage you with whenever, you know, I do workshops and there's kids around or I'm with, you know, people that have kids, I bring them in. Kids love this stuff and they really, and animals, they really respond to this energy. And even if the kids can't sit still for longer than five minutes, that's okay. You know, invite them in, teach them some of the breathing. There's some great, um, I just had one. I think I already wrapped it, but I got a couple of gifts for my nieces and nephews. There's some great books on yoga for kids and helping kids meditate. And even if, you know, your house is crazy, put on some Christmas music. And even if you just sit around and sing, again, that can still be a form of, uh, you know, uh, mindfulness and awareness. It's not the traditional, you know, yoga meditation, but it also doesn't have to be. So I really encourage people and all this stuff that I talked about, you know, journaling and walking and getting in nature. If you can do it for five minutes, great. If you can do it some days for five hours, great. You know, do what's, do what you can, you know, when you can, one minute of meditation, one minute of breathing, 
is is better than nothing definitely and and hopefully when you start you know one minute will turn to five and then you'll try to find you know other ways to incorporate it in so start wherever you are you know and again uh, the first um, one of the other uh, limbs of yoga are the uh, ahimsas and niyamas. Their observances, and the first one is called ahimsa, and it's uh, the nonviolence. It's where the Hippocratic oath of do no harm, and it's really you know towards other people, like the golden rule. But we have to practice it on ourselves. So I always tell people, whatever you're undertaking to really practice that self-care and to be as kind and gentle with yourself. And if you can't, you know, meditate like you would like to do what you can, if you can't meditate because of your circumstances or kids or whatever's going on, um, you know, figure out what does work. Like I said, there are so many options, walking meditations, music, there's kids books, you know, you can do it of all ages. I think that's really important for people to to realize is that, like you mentioned, meditation isn't this little box. You know, uh, it, Dave Asprey has a new book coming out in January called uh, Fast This Way. And one of the things that he talks about in that book is fasting isn't, oh, I didn't eat for a day. Mm -hmm. He's like, we fast from all these different things all the time. Mm -hmm. And he's like, fasting is a choice and you're doing it without thinking about it. And he's like, so he wants to bring awareness to fasting is this big wide array of ways, kind of like mm -hmm. movements meditation. or yeah. meditation mm -hmm. or yeah. what have you. And so I really am glad that you mm -hmm. to explain that there's all these different options and you might not be able to do it the way that you would prefer, but the fact that you're doing some method of it, you know, mm -hmm. especially when you need it. Yeah. And, Cause that's the other thing too is it's like, uh, you know, you were talking about the people doing the marathons, you know, in their backyard or what have you. And on their balcony. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Again, you know, he's like, I can't run in the streets of Paris, but I can run on my six foot balcony. I don't know how it was like thousands of times he had to go back and forth. But yeah. 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 So I got a couple more here and yeah. then we're going to wrap up. So uh, you've mentioned all these different modalities and things. And so the question is, is it important to use multiple mod modalities to deal with uh, stress relief, whether it's physical or mental or emotional, or is there kind of like a preferred method that you would recommend for like, uh, you know, your number one? Um, the best answer I can give to that is one, like we were saying before, don't let your monkey mind talk you out of starting talk you out of doing something because it's not what you think it's not perfect it's not whatever so don't let your monkey mind stop you from whatever it is and um, my uh the Himalayan institute philosophy is try lots of different things because even in the Himalayan institute tradition there are tons of teachers. There are so many different options. Like I said, you can do a walking meditation. You can do an eating meditation. There's a great uh, uh, meditation for drinking tea and liquid. So pretty much brushing your teeth can be meditative, doing the dishes. So you can do, you can bring that, you know, meditative mindfulness to anything. And so I tell people experiment, 
like crazy. When you find what works, do it for as long as it works. Like I said, you know, I went 17 plus years till COVID hit with a certain regulation and, and, and process. And that worked great for the first three to six months of COVID. I had to go back to the drawing board and try different things. And I it was so lovely to pull out a bunch of CDs on guided meditations. Cause I just, I couldn't do it, you know, on my own. So I needed, you know, music and something to help me. Great. Now that I've gotten through that and I'm back, you know, I'm falling back in love with my, you know, original traditions kind of a thing. So it really is, like I said, the philosophy at the Himalaya Institute is experiment, try what works. When you find something that works, go with it. But it's like anything, you know, if you're training for a marathon or you're writing a book, you know, you, you go along and then it doesn't work and you got to switch things up. So that would be, that would be my recommendation. Yeah. I, I think that that's, you know, it's, it's the reason there's so many different kinds of coaches and there's so many different styles of clothes or whatever it is, you know, everything's going to speak to people. So, you know, if you, if you stop trying new food when you were 12, you'd, you'd be eating the same couple things for 50 years. So trying new things. So, yeah, that's really great. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of uh, to kind of maybe it would probably be like G uh, up in things to combat the monkey mind experimentation. The monkey mind hates, like I said, it's very black and white thinking. So it doesn't want you, you know, to try different things. It doesn't want you outside of your box. So one of the best things is to experiment whether it's with meditation, whether it's with yoga, whether it's with getting out in nature, whether it's this laughter yoga, again, try it, you know, 30 days experiment. And if you like it, great, keep going. And if not, great, find something else. So you're, you're talking about all these different kinds of movement and things and one of the things that they, uh, in, in mentioning the most effective exercises, which most people would be surprised at was walking. Mm -hmm. And so the question was, are you suggesting that like body movements, such as like walking as opposed to, you know, like bicep curls or bench press, uh, is it more effective than intense exercise? And also uh, what would you, say defines the the best in those mm -hmm. studies yeah let do your again do your own research check it out but there have been like i said for the past certainly 10 20 years a variety of scientific studies around the best overall form of exercise especially as you age walking almost always comes in number one and gardening almost always again in every and these are you know from different parts of the world from doctors to social scientists like i said there's so much out there please do your own research and stuff but again the best general overall exercise is walking and number two is gardening and i like i said i um, there were a couple of newer studies that came out right as covid was breaking and they said walking and gardening then that is not to discount lifting weights, 
yoga, you know, physical yoga, anything like that as well. But again, when people, our monkey minds think, well, if I can't climb Mount Everest, you know, or if, or if, oh, I didn't exercise today, you know, let's throw in the towel. Again, a better way of thinking is, yes, but you can go walk. Uh, you know, the other great thing about walking and why it comes up as the best general overall exercise for, you know, physical, I'm sure mental and other stuff is other than a good pair of shoes, you don't, you don't even need space. Like I said, the, the guy in Paris and the guy in his, I think he was somewhere in America with his, you know, little postage stamp, you know, suburban backyard. You don't even need that much space. You, and, and you could, you know, there's a whole barefoot, <laughs> you know, uh, zero shoes kind of a thing. So you don't even necessarily need, uh, you know, a good pair of shoes to, to go on a nice walk too. So that's another reason why it always comes up as one of the best forms that, you know, any age, you know, as long as you have feet, you know, legs that work, it's the best, you know, for all ages, because you don't need a lot to do it. You don't need a ton of equipment, you know. So we've got one last question. You had mentioned that, you know, people don't need to have the fancy yoga pants and they don't need all the things. And, uh, you know, you don't have to have any certain level of flexibility or skill set or anything. So the, the question is, is there a best form of yoga you would recommend people start with, especially if they're the, the exact words are if you're if you're flexible like a pine board? I am not flexible. Exactly. All of my yoga pants cost, you know, 10, 20 bucks. I've gotten a few of them at Walmart. So, and other than a nice yoga mat, like a good pair of sneakers, you can get a nice one for 50 bucks. That's the only equipment you need. I would uh, refer you to my resources. That first resource from the Himalayan Institute, their joints and glands that can all be done from a chair. I also love um, Lilius Falan. She started out teaching chair yoga on PBS. She is still around. She has a great book on uh, yoga gets better with age. So a lot of her stuff and all this stuff from the Himalayan Institute on the joints and glands, it can all be done from a chair. So you don't even have to be flexible. I mean, you don't even have to stand. And then the other one is I would refer you to Yoga Betsy, my yoga teachers, the YouTube channel. Um, she does not have a dancer's body. She's a little plump. Um, so it's a real body doing yoga um, as well. And, and, she, and so that would be the best kind of yoga to start with. She teaches the Himalayan Institute is Hatha, which just means union. It means to yoke, to join. But if you can find a good Hatha, H-A-T-H-A yoga practice, like I said, the Himalayan Institute and Yoga Betsy, that's what it is. A, a couple other keywords you can look for um, if you're looking at like DVDs or videos or the library or when we can get back to going to studios and gyms, anything that's restorative or relaxing or gentle, um, those are always the best places to start. I love a good Ashtanga power yoga and the Bikram hot and sweaty but you do not want to start there. Um, you want to go with, like I said, the Hatha more gentle route. And like I said, the Himley Institute, the joints and glands and, and my yoga teacher, Yoga Betsy are a great place to start because 
so much of that can, you don't have to be mobile at all, um, you know, lower body to do them. Yeah, that's great. I think that's going to be helpful because, you know, some of the things you're talking about, I think people go, oh, I'd love to meditate, but I don't have an hour a day. Yep. Or, or I'd love to do yoga, but I'm not flexible, so I can't. And, and there is a perfect example of what you're talking about, the monkey mind coming up and going, nope. Then I won't do it. Exactly. Don't even try. And there are t- just on that, um, the Dr. Wiles, the breathing CD, he has a great five, seven, eight technique of in and out for different lengths. You can do that for a minute. You can do that for five minutes. If you can do it for 15 or 20, great. But you don't have to start with, you know, start with where you are, you know, make it because that's the thing about starting anything, whether it's an exit, you know, it's why resolutions don't work. You know, um, if you, you know, in diets don't work, if you make it, you know, where your monkey mind is already like, I can't do that. That's too hard. Again, do it as an experiment, you know, start small so that it, you know, I'm really into sustainability and that kind of stuff. Um, So, you know, you really want to start where you have the best option for, you know, long-term lifestyle, you know, changes. So we're at time, but before we wrap up, I, wanted to ask if you have a recommended place that's the best for people to find out more about you, how to work with you, what your offerings are, and also give you a chance to shine a spotlight on anything that you have coming up you'd like people to know about. Okay, great. Um, Right now, all that stuff is in flux. I was hoping to have more done by the end of the year, but as we know, it's been a crazy year. So I'm on LinkedIn. I'm in the process of changing that profile along with my um, uh, inner peace coaching website as well. So the best is you've got my phone number and you've got my email, kariwick at yahoo.com. Again, if you want the PDF of turning down your monkey mind and, or you want a a free coaching session with me to do that mini foundation to start to undercover, uncover your values and stuff. Anyone listening to this or seeing the notes is welcome to that. Um, I'm in the process of shifting a little bit to, I think I put it a little bit in my bio and stuff. Um, I've always lived small and simple, And I've been, well, I was trying to go tiny and then COVID hit. So I was full-time earlier this year in my RV um, named Josephine after my grandmother. And I had come back to Tucson this spring to get my townhouse here ready to rent out. Um, And I'm just on pause like a lot of people. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to turn my coaching to helping more, especially with the changing nature of work and remote work and more people wanting to downsize and simplify, even if it's not tiny and work from home or take that home on the road, whether it be full-time RVing or a tiny house on wheels or hashtag van life or a schoolie, um, any of that kind of stuff that really combines my, you know, I've been a nomad since I was 16. Um, And even though I've owned my townhouse in Tucson since 2004, I've only spent about half of that time here because I was helping my my mom with my dad. And then after my dad died, helped my mom move on. So even with the house, I'm still a nomad. 
So I'm gonna, I'm getting back to kind of my nomadic roots and and really helping um, people merge their personal and the business because so many people who you know want to work more remotely um, before coronavirus, everyone thought oh, I had to start a business or I had to be in tech and IT. And while that's still true, again, now with Corona, with COVID and everything, you know, pretty much every job you can think of. I mean, I've seen hairstylists and mechanics who work mobily. I mean, there's just so many options. So I, I'm really um, helping uh, other small business owners who are nomadic, who want to be nomadic, who want to be geographically free with their businesses or and or take their existing job um, on the road or off grid, um, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah, great. I think I think that's going to be really helpful for people to know, you know, outside of the yoga and meditation, mm-hmm. you know, how you work with people, especially one on one. So thank you for that. Yeah. And I do have all of your information. So I'll make sure all those are in the notes. And I'll, I'll have you stand by after we finish the call here in a moment. But, uh, so just to wrap up, thank you for everyone who was on the call with us tonight. Thank you, Kari, for the great presentation. I, I knew a lot of that, but there was a lot that I'd never heard before. It was fascinating. Oh, so I hope that everyone enjoys listening to the audio and we'll start putting some videos up next week and send this all out. As a reminder, this is the guest expert series on the Solve Network. And we have a call the first and third Thursday of every month. If you'd like to join us, please reach out to us by going to the solvenetwork.com. You can sign up for our mailing list and then you'll get a chance to know who upcoming guest experts are. And if you'd like to be a guest expert yourself, please contact us there as well. We're always looking for new and varied specialists and experts in different industries with different backgrounds so you can come on and not only help us learn, but help to connect you to people you haven't met before. So thanks so much, everyone, and have a good night. Hi, I'm Shane Borza, a climber, creator, and coach. And I want you to build the skill of health and fitness. My new course is a priceless gift to you, and it's available exclusively on PonoQuest.com. That's P-O-N-O-Quest.com. Build the Skill is a minimalistic, functional, real-world fitness program, which can help you to move better and get stronger faster. I can't wait for you to check it out. And when you do, please let me know how it helps you. That's build the skill at PonoQuest.com. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Solve Network. As a reminder, these calls are held live on the first and third Thursday of each month. If you'd like to join us as either a listener or guest expert, please contact me at shaneborza.com. On behalf of my co-founder, Benjamin Goss, we're glad you are a part of the network and hope you are finding solutions. If you need solutions, please reach out.